You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. My name is Jake Hotchkiss. I'm an associate pastor here at Schweitzer. And this morning, we are going to talk about the Christmas spirit. What is it? How do I get in it? What's the uh, disposition that my heart should be in as we are two days away from the celebration of our Savior's birth? This is what the Advent season is all about, right? It's about looking at these stories of scripture from over 2,000 years ago and making them more than just stories, more than just uh, things that happened a long time ago, but something that is happening in our lives now. It's about living these events, about knowing really inside myself what is it like for Jesus Christ to be born in this world. And so rather than look at uh, the movies of our day or listen to the music of our day or the the commercials of our day to tell us what the Christmas spirit should be like this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at the first Christmas season to see what was the spirit of that Christmas and how does that apply to us today. So this morning, we are in Luke chapter one. We're finishing Luke chapter one, actually. We've been, uh, we've been in it for the last three weeks, and I'm gonna give you a brief recap of what's happened. The story starts with two people called Zechariah and Elizabeth. These are Jesus's aunt and uncle, and they are old, but they are righteous, and we're told that, uh, that Elizabeth was too old to conceive of a child. She never had kids, but she was past the age where that was possible, right? But one day, Zechariah is doing his priestly duties in the temples, and he's visited by the angel Gabriel. And what does Gabriel say? He says, your wife is going to have a child, and the child's name is going to be John, and John will be, he will prepare the way for the coming of the Lord Jesus, right? Zechariah, he says, how can I believe this will happen? And the angel says, since you didn't believe, You won't be able to speak until the child is born. Here's your sign, right? You're going to wake up every morning for the next nine months not being able to speak. That's how you know this is going to happen. Uh, So anyway, she gets pregnant, right? And the story goes on. The next uh, kind of episode in this story is, of course, the angel Gabriel visiting the Virgin Mary. And he says to the Virgin Mary, who's not yet married to Joseph, he says, you are going, or you have found favor with God, and you are going to conceive and give birth to a son. He's not just going to be any son. He's going to be, of course, the son of God. He's going to be the Messiah, the son of the most high, etc., etc. She gives praise. She goes and visits Mary, or Elizabeth, because the angel told her that her aunt has miraculously conceived, right? So they've got this in common. And in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, she goes and she visits her. And the baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb, and, and Elizabeth cries out, and Mary cries out the song of praise that we know is a Magnificat, etc., etc. She stays with her for three months, and then she goes home. So six months plus three months means that Elizabeth today is in the ninth month of her pregnancy and she's about to give birth to her baby, John. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. So here we are. Verse 57, Luke chapter one. I'm reading from the NLT. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There's no one in all your family by that name. 
So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. And by the way, this is evidence that Zechariah may not have just been made mute, but also deaf. And the language kind of suggests, because they had to gesture to him. So he, he wasn't able to communicate at all, very, uh, very possibly. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. And he motioned for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Now, don't you just love Elizabeth's tenacity? Her family is putting this pressure on her, saying, name him Zechariah. Or any kind of family name, for that matter. This is what you do. This is what's expected of you. This is what is culturally appropriate. And she puts her foot down. She says, no, I don't care what, the, what, what you guys expect of me. I don't care what is tradition. I don't care what the culture says is appropriate. God is doing something new, and so am I. That's a good word for us this Christmas. Because my favorite part of Christmas is the tradition. And really it is. It's those nostalgic feelings, uh, those warm memories that come with putting lights on the tree and, and doing the candle lighting uh, you know, on Christmas Eve and doing and spending time with family, and all these little somewhat weird traditions that we do sometimes, somewhat meaningful, but it's tradition and, and everything that comes with it, and yet in the very first Christmas, it's tradition that she breaks. She says, no, God's doing something new, and so I've got to do something new. Tradition doesn't apply. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. That's what that means, right? And so the The spirit of the first Christmas was not obeying tradition. It was was breaking it, creating a new one. And now there is nothing wrong with our Christmas traditions. There's nothing wrong with them at all, but we got to be careful to not let them overshadow the new work that God is doing in our lives here and now. we got to be careful not to let traditions become an obligation in our lives. Is there room in your schedule and in your plans to give voice to the new work God is doing in your life? Don't be afraid this Christmas to put your foot down and say no to this tradition or that tradition, to say God is doing something new and I'm gonna honor that. Don't be afraid this this Christmas to let old traditions die and to create a new one. In fact, many of us are in those kinds of seasons of our lives anyway. I know um, we have a young two and a half year old daughter and this will be our first Christmas where she really gets it and we're not with family on Christmas day. And so there's, There's an opportunity here to create new traditions that really honor God and that give voice to the new things he's doing in my life here and now today. That is the spirit of Christmas. Let's read on. Instantly, it says, Zechariah could speak again and he began praising God. So let's pause for a second. You're in the middle uh, of this room with your family and you know that Elizabeth has become miraculously pregnant. Again, she was too old to conceive. This child is born. You want her to name him something else and she won't. And then they both agree uh, somewhat miraculously, apparently, that his name is John. And immediately this man who has not been able to speak or maybe hear for the last nine months can speak. And he begins praising God. Imagine what, what would happen. 
What's going on here? It says, awe fell upon the whole neighborhood. And the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and they asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. So hear this, the spirit of the first Christmas was a spirit of awe and of wonder. God, in this story, was putting his stamp on these events. And I love Luke's gospel in particular because he goes to great lengths to make sure we understand this. Why is it, do you think, that Zechariah was silenced? I talked about this in the other services when I preached the first week of this series. When you, you first read that passage, the angel says, since you didn't believe, I will make you silent and unable to speak. And it sounds kind of like a punishment. But really, it's just an answer to his question, how can I know that this is true, that this miracle will happen? Like I said, how about you wake up for the next nine months not being able to speak? Here's your sign. God's doing this. This is miraculous. I'm not going to let you convince yourself. I'm not going to let anyone else convince you that this wasn't God, right? And then what happens is that not only does Zechariah know, awe falls upon the whole neighborhood when he can finally speak again. And people say, surely the hand of the Lord is upon this child. Surely this is God. Undoubtedly, undeniably, this is God. God's putting his stamp on these events. There's a reason he chose a woman who was unable to conceive, who was too old. There's a reason he chose a virgin who was unmarried. So that while some might not believe that she had never slept with the man before, many would know that this was God. God is putting a stamp on these events, saying, I did this. And the result is awe and wonder. And I don't know about you, but I could use some awe and wonder in my life this Christmas. Do you feel me? Could you use some awe and wonder? Could you use a movement of God in your life this Christmas? Or is this just any other Christmas season? I don't want this to be any other Christmas season. I'm tired of that. I want a new work. I don't want the same old things. I want God. I want him to move. I want to look back and say, this was surely the hand of God. I want there to be no other way to explain what happened than that God did it. Which leads us to this, that the Christmas spirit isn't really possible apart from the Holy Spirit. You can't manufacture awe and wonder if it's not happening. You got to come to grips with that. I mean, it's God's decision to come and invade our lives <laughs> and move in a big way. But do we want him to? Are we asking him to? How badly do we want it? And this is why we pray for an awakening, because we realize that none of this is really possible. Apart from the Holy Spirit, that Christmas isn't really Christmas if God isn't moving, you know? All right. Verse 67. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. There it is. And he gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he has promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. 
He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in a holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. The, the spirit of Christmas, that first Christmas, was a spirit of praise for what God has done. That even before it was done, God has done it. You hear me? Praising God for what he has done before he has done it. Listen to this. Before Christ was born, he says Christ has visited us. God has visited us. Before Christ was crucified, Zechariah says, undoubtedly, God has redeemed us. Before the Savior ever finished his saving work, Zechariah says, with perfect certainty, we will be saved. Hear that? While many still suffer from oppression, while evil and sin still remains in this world, Zechariah says, Without hesitation, we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear. You hear that? We have been rescued. Here's what you need to hear this morning is that whatever you're going through in this life, right now in this season, praiseworthy, noteworthy, or, or just awful and mournful, good or bad, whatever you're going through, this too will pass, but God's word will never fade. God's word will never fail. And if there's one thing you can cling to, if there's one thing for which you can always praise God, is that his word remains true. His promises will always be fulfilled that Jesus Christ is born, the Savior has come, that you have been, you are being, and you will be saved. Rescue. Can I get an amen? So let your spirit be filled this Christmas, not with anxiety or fear or doubt, but with praise to the Most High. Lastly, Zechariah, he looks at his little baby boy, and he says, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. It's interesting to me that the world needed a John the Baptist. I think it's significant that Luke spends as much time on the birth of John the Baptist as he does on the birth of Jesus. You ever think of that? But the story of the birth of Jesus is really a lot about the birth of John the Baptist. But why did the world need a John the Baptist? Why, why couldn't Jesus just come? You know? What is all this business about preparing the way before the Lord? And I still don't like really know the answer, but I, I think I'm, I'm getting it, and I, here's, my, here's my shot. Here's my shot at it. I could stand up here and tell you about how great of a husband I am 
and how great of a father I am, and even how great of a preacher I am. And, you know, I, and, and try to convince you on these things. I could talk about myself all day. At the end of the day, what's more powerful, me saying these things about myself or my wife standing up here saying, no, yeah, he's really a good husband. Or my daughter saying, yeah, he's the best father in the world. Or, or you guys going and telling others about, yeah, no, he's a good preacher. You get what I'm saying? What's more powerful? Someone who talks about themselves, a God who talks about himself all the time, or people who testify, who've known and experienced the glory of God. You see, every word needs a mouthpiece. Every message needs a messenger. Every point needs a pointer. John the Baptist was just the first of many. Here's what's amazing. You know, John the Baptist, his life was marked by the hand of the Lord, no doubt, right? I mean, you talk about purpose. You talk about knowing what you're living for. John the Baptist, since before he was born, God says, this is the purpose of your life, and it's great, it's awesome, it's amazing. And we wander through life, wonder, just like, what am I here for? What's my purpose? How can I glorify you? But, but here's what's incredible. If you just go fast forward five chapters, six chapters in the book of Luke, Remember these words of Jesus? He says, among all the prophets, John is the greatest. Among all the prophets, John is the greatest. He is the greatest that have ever lived. But even the least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. You hear that? That's incredible. That's you. That's me. John is the greatest until now. But even the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he we, my friends, are the pointers, the prophets, the messengers, the mouthpiece that prepare the way for the Lord today. So Christmas, the Christmas spirit is actually not just about celebrating the birth of Jesus. It's actually also about celebrating the birth of his brothers and sisters who point the world to him. We'll celebrate that this Christmas. We're about to sing one of my favorite Christmas songs, which is Go Tell It on the Mountain. What a better place to end um, as we prepare ourselves for the birth of our Savior. Let's go tell it on the mountain. Um, I want to confess that this Christmas, uh, I've not done a great job at really living in the Christmas spirit. That God hasn't felt incredibly close to me this Christmas season. That I've been rather distracted and busy. Um, feels kind of broke, too. <laughs> that tradition has become somewhat obligation. And I've, I've just... But the season is still here. The timing is right. And I want to give praise to the God who deserves it.